0: encouraged our bakers to, you know, look at the small things, make sure your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted, and be prepared to be responsive, you know, when FDA is there for an inspection.
1: Welcome to Sense Sliced Bread. I'm your host, Charlotte Ashley, editor of Baking and Snack. With the FASTER Act going into effect at the beginning of this year, and the final rule of the Food Safety Modernization Act being finalized, Food safety and sanitation is just one more challenge at the forefront of bakers' minds these days. In this season of Scent Slice Bread, we're bringing you conversations with food safety experts to bring you up to speed on the latest changes and best practices when it comes to food safety. My guest today is Razma Zvoners, Vice President of Regulatory and Technical Services for the American Bakers Association. She helps us demystify the regulatory side of food safety and gives us a tour of the tools ABA offers bakers to help them stay in compliance. Welcome to Send Slice Bread, Rasma.
0: Thank you. I appreciate having the opportunity.
1: Let's get started, Rasma, talking about, just to set the stage for our conversation, how has food safety and regulations changed over the years?
0: This is really good timing for that question you know back in 2011 we had the passage of the food safety modernization act and now we fast forward 10 plus years to 2023 <laughs> And, you know, I think we are, we just saw the last of a series of new regulations come out from that original Food Safety Modernization Act. And, you know, it's, there was a whole slew of thinking that went into that from legislators and and people that are far smarter than I am, but with the intent of looking at proactive approaches to mitigating food challenges and ensuring food safety, you know, identifying potential risks and hazards across your operations, implementing a food safety plan to mitigate those risks. And, you know, we've spent the past 10 plus years now implementing those rules, except for the last one, which came out at the end of last year. But now we're looking to something beyond that. FDA, while they don't have any regulatory authority for additional new regulations, they are engaging and embarking on what they're calling moving beyond the Food Safety Modernization Act to the new era of smarter food safety. FDA is, you know, we've had some sectors, and fortunately not as much for bakers, but produce has had some challenges along the way. And, you know, FDA in particular is looking at ways that we can start embracing technology and tools to respond to respond more rapidly to outbreaks as they are occurring you know their concern also or goals with the smarter food safety is you know how do we ensure consumer safety with the new business models for retail food and food delivery i mean think about how we've been spending in recent years how we purchased our food and had our restaurant food brought to us it was very different and so there's a there's a greater focus on making sure that the agency's goal of maintaining safety for the consumer um, for foods is, is from you know the, the farm to the fork. And it's an interesting way of how they're looking at trying to develop things to foster and move forward to continue developing a strong food safety culture.
1: The new era of smarter food safety was announced by the FDA in 2020 and builds on the foundation laid by FSMA, the Food Safety Modernization Act. This blueprint outlines the agency's approach to food safety going forward, and you can find it as a PDF on the agency's website. It leans heavily on the processes put in place by FSMA, but it also focuses on four core elements, some of which we've touched on throughout this season of Scent Sliced Bread. These include tech-enabled traceability, smarter tools and approaches for prevention and outbreak response, new business models and retail modernization, and of course, food safety culture. Let's hear from Razma more about the culture shift she's seen in food safety. Yeah, it'll be really interesting in the future to see how we're able to incorporate all the really exciting tools that we have at our disposal from a technology standpoint into, yeah, what you just said, creating a really secure food safety supply chain. So what has all of these changes required of the industry in the last 10 years?
0: I think there's been a significant culture shift. I think back to the early days of us, you know, working on comments for the different proposed rules that came out of FDA. We also had the luxury of working very closely with the FDA in, in an open dialogue to provide input from the food sector to the agency on things that were feasible. And I think one of the things that we adapted really well is the the notion of flexibility. In all of the comments that we made with these regs, we were really key on trying to make sure that there's an understanding that each food manufacturer is different. We're not the same, and a one size fits all approach isn't going to work. So it's been helpful in that it lets our bakers do what they've been doing to date, but it also helps us sort of shift the culture and move forward in a more proactive approach and being more diligent about documenting everything that we're doing in our food safety plans, and if changes happen at the plant, to make sure that we're updating all of the necessary paperwork that has to go through with that process as well.
1: You mentioned that the Food Safety Modernization Act, the last rule was approved, and we'll, we have three years of compliance on that traceability rule. What should bakers expect regarding that?
0: So you're right. We We just had that issued just before the end of the year. Frankly, we are still working our way through the final rule that was published last November and trying to understand what it means for us with the compliance date of January 2026. The intent of the rule was to create a record-keeping requirement or system that would cover the complete distribution history of food if that food is on a food traceability list. So not all foods, but FDA has a list of food traceability items. There's some fresh produce on there. Peanut butter is one that I think in particular impacts our sector. And this basically means creating a regulatory simplified tracking program from the point of origin all the way through manufacturing, processing, and packing or holding of that food and you know these can be paper records these can be electronic records you know so basically tracking from a farm to fork i think one of the challenges that we had when we looked at the proposed rule is that there seemed to be a lot of new terms that were thrown into the proposal that perhaps didn't match up with common terminology in the food sector And while the final rule tried to streamline some of that, I think we we really need to dig in a little bit deeper and get a a better appreciation of what will be anticipated, or I guess maybe Better understand how the terminology and the new rule already lines up with steps that we have throughout the manufacturing process to make sure that we're tracking ingredients. I will say that one of the benefits that we saw in the proposal and we're actually pleased to see that it was slightly expanded in the final rule was you know those operations that have a kill step. It does minimize the documentation. Once you've completed that kill step, so you basically have to retain your records until you do that kill step, but then you don't need to attach additional records as it goes for subsequent shipping further into the supply chain. During the comment period, we had actually requested that for our sector, FDA consider expanding this because, you know, we make a variety of products fresh and frozen. And it was nice to see that in the final rule, FDA did extend this partial exemption for foods um, that are subject or destined for a kill step. And the only caveat is that, you know, obviously you need to have some sort of a written agreement or statement, you know, that you and who's receiving it will then follow through with the kill step. But I think this was this is something that we were really pleased to see. So we'll our plan next year, you know, as we move through this year is to just get a better understanding I expect that FDA has signaled that they will be providing some additional webinars, Q&As, some of those opportunities for industry beyond just baking to ask questions and get some clarity. So I think they recognize they have, you know, we have three years to implement this and that the sector will definitely need some tools.
1: I hope you're enjoying today's conversation. I just wanted to hop in here to tell you about another great opportunity from Baking & Snack. Every year, Baking & Snack partners with Cypress Research to conduct the Capital Spending Survey, sponsored by BEMA. This study offers a trending look at how industrial baking companies are investing capital into new equipment and technologies. This year, for the first time, I'm breaking it all down in a free webinar called Capital Spending Insights for 2023, which you can register for and access on bakingbusiness.com. You'll also hear great insights about the why behind these numbers from our panelists, Mike Laval of Intralox, BEMA Chairman Jim Warren of Reading Bakery Systems, and Jason Stricker from Shikastev. I hope you'll join us to see how your company stacks up against the wider industrial baking industry regarding capital spending and today's business challenges. Be sure to go to bakingbusiness.com to sign up. Now let's get back to the show. That's awesome to hear about that kill step exemption. We also know the other, one of the other big topics when it comes to food safety is the recent addition of Sesame to the list of top allergens in the United States. How are bakers adapting to this? This was implemented at the top of the year. How are bakers adapting out there?
0: So let me say, you know, FSMA obligations are a priority for all of our members, and that includes their allergen control plans, CGMPs. And sanitation. Um, since actually prior to the Faster Act um, becoming law, there you know we had been tracking this legislation. And then I think it just sort of hit the momentum where it really moved forward because it is rather unique for a piece of legislation to pass Congress with the huge bipartisan support that it did. I believe on the first vote, it was unanimous. And I believe on the second vote, there may have been two either opposed or absent votes. I'd I'd have to go back and, and check my stats on that. But my point being is that it's rare that you see something with such momentum move through the legislative process. So, you know, what our bakers have been doing is they've been going through and they've been diligently conducting sesame risk assessments, verifying and validating the results from those risk assessments. They're going through and doing allergen swabbing and testing, and they're spending time working with their consultants and doing deep cleaning. I mean, obviously, as an association, our role is to educate our members about what the compliance obligations are, and then each company is determining how best to manage their sesame.
1: How is ABA supporting and assisting bakers as they take on this endeavor?
0: So since the passage of the Faster Act, we have done several things. We've made a point to add a sesame agenda topic to each of our technical committee meetings. So this would be our Food Technical Regulatory Affairs Committee Professional Group. <laughs> it's a mouthful, but it's it's those folks that deal, you know, daily either with nutrition policy or food safety issues, you know, the that help manage these issues. We've also made the point to update our executive committee and our board of directors as we've moved toward the compliance date that just passed. ABA did update last year, actually early last year, our allergen technical guide so that members have that as a tool. We did two podcasts for bakers discussing sesame as an allergen. And then we also held two webinars that were focused specifically on sanitation. And we looked to resources to aid in helping educate our members that included experts from the baking sector. Um, We also were joined by Dr. David Atchison's group TAG. And then FARP, of course, which is the Food Allergy Research and Resource Program. And we've also, as we neared the end of the compliance date, we were also able to secure from FDA the willingness to grant enforcement discretion for bakers on a case-by-case basis as appropriate. Now, that was not focused on the allergen control piece of it, but rather the packaging piece of it. You know, we are still experiencing supply chain challenges with respect to packaging and ingredients. So that's another tool. So those are are the tools that we provided to the sector. And then each company needs to determine how best they're going to use those tools and what position they will take with Sesame.
1: So that's what bakers are kind of struggling with or um, working through right now when it comes to food safety challenges and regulatory changes. What do you see as being on the horizon for food safety and regulatory? What's What are kind of the future priorities ABA has going forward?
0: Well, I think we will actually be sitting down with our technical group in the next few months, both having... Conversations with the technical group and then working with our board of directors. We go through every several years and do a strategic planning process to identify those priorities. But I will say that FDA is, we're going to have to be very diligent and watching what's happening at the agency. You know, everyone knows that FDA has been under incredible scrutiny as a result of the infant formula recalls. Last year, FDA's Commissioner Califf had actually commissioned an external evaluation of the agency's performance, in particular on human foods. And that report was released at the end of last year. It was done by the Reagan-Udall Foundation, which is a a third party that conducted an evaluated assessment for uh, the commissioner's request. And Where it will be interesting is the report focuses its findings, um, I think there were four key areas, culture, structure, leadership, authorities, and resources. And we had the opportunity through the Food Beverage Issue Alliance to have a call with Dr. Califf at the very beginning of this calendar year, and he did signal that by the end of January, FDA would be making some announcements about structural changes and then perhaps some additional details in the following month about leadership changes. So my thought is, as we're moving into the next calendar year and what's on the horizon, I would say that We feel that FDA will be far less tolerant of deviation and noncompliance. We've encouraged our bakers to, you know, look at the small things, make sure your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted, and be prepared to be responsive, you know, when FDA is there for an inspection.
1: Rosma, as we're wrapping up our conversation, can you just share with our listeners what tools does ABA offer bakers to assist them in remaining in compliance with all of these food safety regulations and making sure they're doing what they need to do to ensure a safe food supply?
0: So we try to do a lot of different things. And I think, again, I I referenced it earlier. One of the best interactive tools that we have is participation in our food technical regulatory affairs professional group. This group is, you know, very solid in looking both at nutrition policy and food safety related issues, and also a good networking opportunity to just discuss challenges and how the sector is trying to overcome challenges if, if something comes up. So we, we have them come together about three times a year. We've also had the chance to recently do a smaller, I wouldn't call it a full technical guide, but just a small piece that we were that we crafted kind of as a checklist, perhaps for a lack of a better word, where bakers can sort of run through a, a list to identify, you know, these are things that you should be prepared for for a routine FDA inspection. So just trying to get some of those things out in front of them again, you know, we did a lot of those early tools tools back in the early days of FSMA, and so it's just an opportunity to sort of refresh and be prepared for anything that you may have coming forward in the future.
1: Awesome. That sounds like a really comprehensive toolkit you have there to support your members, the Industrial Bakers of America. So thank you so much, Razma, for sharing that with us and sharing a little bit about what bakers can expect when it comes to food safety and regulations going forward.
0: Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Thank you for listening to Scent Sliced Bread. If you'd like to join the conversation, leave us a voicemail at 816-968-7772. Or you can record a message using the Voice Memo app on your smartphone and email it to podcast at Don't forget to subscribe to Scent Slice Bread on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and drop us a review. Scent Slice Bread is a baking and snack podcast produced by Taryn Parker and hosted by Charlotte Atchley.